please join us for the sixth episode of Bewitched. Little pitchers have big fears. Bewitched, bothered, and bewildered, am I? Welcome to Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered our podcast about magical shows from the 1960s. I'm Molly. And I'm Frank. And you're joining us for the sixth episode of Bewitched. Little pitchers have big fears. But before we get started, we're going to give you a brief synopsis. Darren discovers that Samantha has been entertaining a guest every morning after he leaves for work. The guest is a lonely 10-year-old neighbor's child named Marshall Burns. Samantha feels certain that Mrs. Burns' overprotectiveness has robbed Marshall of all his self-confidence. Against Mrs. Burns' wishes, Samantha takes Marshall out to junior league baseball tryouts and then uses witchcraft to secure him a spot on the team. Darren and Mrs. Burns separately chide Samantha for her interference, while Gladys Kravitz keeps a watchful eye on the proceedings. Excellent. As the show opens, Samantha is politely trying to turn away a pushy door-to-door salesman. And I give you my personal guarantee, madam, that finer merchandise does not exist. These are absolutely the finest bristles made. No, thank you. I already have a broom. This, Frank, is a fuller brush salesman. They don't say that, but that's what they were. They're called fuller brush salesmen. From the fuller brush company. Yes, and I remember this. I mean, I don't know if I ever actually saw a brush guy, although I think I might have when I was like a real little baby, but it reminds me of my grandma. This is like the best part of this whole episode right here. This first few minutes for me is this brush salesman just trying to get the best of Samantha. Believe me, lady, you can always use an extra one. No, thank you. Yeah, he is extremely pushy. (laughs) And he's got several full-size brooms. I mean, obviously the joke of this tiny little opening segment, which is completely unrelated to the rest of the show, is that he's trying to sell a broom to a witch. Right. A barbecue. Extra stiff bristles for the barbecue. Isn't it fascinating that there was a brush salesman? Toothbrushes. Polish up your smile. You never know when people are going to drop in. No, really. Like he sold toothbrushes and brooms... Stiff bristle barbecue grill brushes. It's kind of like selling everything from toenail clippers to chainsaws. It's it's a wide, wide range. Yeah, from a, like a sourcing and manufacturing point of view, these items have no relationship to one another. Like a toothbrush and a stiff pork bristle brush to brush off your shoes when you walk in the house are completely unrelated. <laughs> The unifying theme of the brush is kind of hilarious in this modern age. I don't remember door-to-door salesmen. I I mean, I think my entire childhood, I remember them as a reliable trope of sitcoms like this one. But the only people that ever came door-to-door in New York City were Jehovah's Witnesses and possibly a Mormon or two. So when I was first married, 
This is a total sidetrack. So you can imagine me, I'm 16 years old. I'm like super pregnant in this basement apartment and two guys in suits come and ring the doorbell and they came into my house. <laughs> Wait, they didn't come into your house. You invited I, them in. <laughs> I, I was very lonely. And oh, oh. <laughs> they showed me a slideshow about Joseph Smith on my living room wall. <laughs> oh my God, they came with full media. Yeah, they had a like a projector and a whole slideshow. Were they cute? I was just a kid. I don't know. They probably seemed like <laughs> old guys to me. Right. But they were probably 21, you know? <laughs> but yeah, they showed me a slideshow and I remember it being about Joseph Smith. And I'm sure I asked some kind of like psychologist daughter sarcastic questions and somehow chased him away eventually. But I totally fell for the two guys in suits wanting to just talk to me about something. <laughs> Beyond religious proselytizing, the only other door-to-door people that I could think of currently are young people canvassing for political parties. Could you take a moment to talk about water conservation? <laughs> <laughs> I told you I already have all the brooms and brushes I can use. That's impossible, lady. No housewife ever has enough brooms and brushes. She's politely trying to close the door on him, and he actually shoves his foot in there to stop her from doing it. And then, of course, she uses her magic to say, All right, see for yourself. She opens the door and twitches her nose, and the room is just cluttered with thousands of brushes. Yeah, she twitches up messy piles of brooms and brushes to the point that their living room looks like she and Darren have robbed several area hardware stores. When the episode starts in earnest, Darren is late for work. Sweetheart, hmm? no breakfast for me. I won't have time. Oh, but Darren. I'm late, honey. Oh, well, you might as well relax, dear. You've missed your train already. I have. How do you know? At which point, Darren wheels around looking at her, suspecting her of using her psychic powers of perception. Have you been, uh... No, no, it's watchcraft, not witchcraft. <laughs> oh. Well, the next train is until, uh, 9.30. Then he very quickly slips into a quite a lascivious, thinking of this as a special time for them to be alone, which today translates to a quickie, but yep. in that day it was only hinted at. <laughs> they just start a fully dressed kitchen smooching session when the doorbell rings. Dear, isn't that a shame? Well, I guess they'll just have to muddle through at the office without you for an hour. Okay. And I'll just muddle around here for a while. Save my place. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, and who is it? but Samantha's new boyfriend, Marshall. <laughs> Marshall Burns, who is played by Jim Mathers, the stone-faced, untalented younger brother of Jerry Mathers, who played the beaver. Good morning. What can I do for you? You keep saying that it's this other Mathers kid, but I just cannot <laughs> distinguish him 
from Jerry Mathers. They look identical to me. Were you a fan of Leave it to Beaver? Oh, yeah. I've seen every episode of that. I mean, if you asked me to pick a favorite show, that would not be at the top. But I definitely watched like every single episode of that show a million times. I loved Leave it to Beaver. Did you? I was fascinated by it. It's kind of a comforting kind of oatmeal and maple syrup kind of show. I always thought of uh, Wally Cleaver, Beaver's older brother, as the perfect Henry Huggins type. Henry Huggins being the protagonist of a lot of the Beverly Cleary books. The only guy I was ever interested on that show was Eddie Haskell, which says a lot about my early dating history. (laughs) Oh my goodness, you were so attracted to bad kids. The kid was a charmer, (laughs) but he was cute. Uh, Yeah, he was cute for a toe-headed white supremacist. (laughs) Look, son, I've got a lot on my mind this morning, so... Well, hello, Marshall. What a surprise. How come? I'm here every morning. (laughs) So, okay, Jimmy Mathers, he comes to the door. He's this unhappy, friendless little boy with a nervous, overprotective mother and no father. Very buckled up. And Darren, even after the kid goes in the kitchen, starts trying to kiss Samantha. Kissing machine. He's really lascivious in this episode. It's very interesting. Yeah, this there's a lot of uh, sex in this episode. Yeah. We'll have to talk about that. Yeah. He's got a problem. He's got a problem? What is he doing here? I'm his only friend in the neighborhood. Well, you're my only wife in the neighborhood, and I thought we'd have a nice breakfast together. Anything I can do, Mrs. Stevens? <laughs> no, no, Marshall, you go and sit down. Breakfast is ready. So he comes over here every morning to play with you. I knew you'd understand. I certainly do. You're interfering. What do you mean? His problems are none of your business. I'm merely being his friend. I know you, Samantha. Oh, really? You only look vaguely familiar to me. They go into the kitchen and Marshall's already setting up for breakfast because he's obviously been here many times before. Samantha gives him some strawberries and he says, No, thank you. My mother says I'm allergic to strawberries. Samantha doesn't believe it for a minute. And he's not allowed any juice or French toast And he's nursing a cold, and all of these are apparently symptoms that his mother has pushed on him. Samantha, his mother does not want him to eat strawberries. Marshall, why don't you go on home and ask your mother if you can't try one strawberry? She'll say no. How do you know? She always says no. Darren is trying to defend the mother right from the start. Partly because he'd like to just get rid of this kid. And have sex, yes. Yes. It's not really just all Darren is taking the high road here. It's more that Darren is like, get this kid out of here. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You don't have a fever. Samantha, his mother says he has a cold. Yes, dear, I know. I just meant that his eyes look perfectly all right. But his mother says he has a cold, and she is his mother, isn't she? Oh, yes, she certainly is. Eventually, his mother shows up. Marshall, I've been just frantic. What are you doing here? I'm Mrs. Stevens. This is my husband, Mrs. Burns. Marshall was just visiting. 
How do you do? I told you to stay in your room. You have a cold. And if you're too young to realize how dangerous it is to run around with a cold, I should think at least an adult would recognize it. His mother is played by June Lockhart, a very famous actress who played a couple of really famous TV moms. Yes. Uh, Lost in Space, right? Well, before that and before this, she was on Lassie. Hugh Riley, John Provost as Timmy, and of course, Lassie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she did this episode of Bewitched, and then she was on Lost in Space for three years. And then after that, she was on Petticoat Junction for seven years. Come ride the little train that is rolling down the tracks to the junction. Forget about your cares, it is time to relax at the junction. Lots of curves, you bet, and even more when you get to the junction. Petticoat Junction. Who was she on Petticoat Junction? What did she play? She played a doctor. I'm trying to remember that, yeah. I never really watched Petticoat Junction. Oh, I watched a lot of Petticoat Junction. I watched the opening credits, and that was it. Yeah? You just couldn't handle it? I wasn't interested in the show. I mean, like, I liked the opening theme song. Uh, It's like one of those shows, like Green Acres. I was way more interested in the opening theme than I was in the actual show. Okay, Beverly Hillbillies, Petticoat Junction, Green Acres. That was a triple header. It seems like I watched those three together frequently. Yeah, I, I think I would sit through the Beverly Hillbillies. Beverly Hillbillies, I enjoyed both the opening sequence and also the show because I probably had a crush on Jethro. And Miss Jane. I mean, I liked Miss Jane a lot. She was super annoying, but in a way that was charming. So anyway, June Lockhart. I never liked in any of those roles. I always found her (laughs) annoying. But here she's really playing her annoyingness up to the max. Absolutely. I'm sure there was no great damage done, Mrs. Burns, but Marshall shouldn't have disobeyed you. Well, thank you, Mr. Stevens. I'm glad to see that at least you are a sensible person. Mrs. Burns, all I tried to do was... You have no children, Mrs. Stevens. That's quite obvious. Oh, it is? Everything that's annoying about her, she's just... Maybe it's a testament to her acting skill that she's bringing it all to the fore. (laughs) Because if you did, you'd realize that their health is something precious that has to be constantly guarded. I raise my marshal very carefully, and I do not appreciate interference from anybody. Please remember that. Come along, Marshall. You just want to smack her. I mean, she's just really super (laughs) unreasonable, annoying, and 
kind of judgy in a way that's super insulting to you don't have children mrs stevens well it's true she doesn't have children it's true (laughs) i know it's true but just some because something is true doesn't mean that it is relevant to the argument i see i can see where things are going so (laughs) mrs burns tracks marshall down well, that's not even really true. She just wanders down the street shouting his name at the top of her lungs until he reveals his location in the Stevens kitchen. How does he reveal his location? Does he... He walks to the back door and opens up the door and shouts, I'm here, Ma. Oh, oh, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. And as soon as she walks in, Mrs. Burns immediately identifies Samantha as her enemy. Yes, And she defers to Darren's better judgment, kind of revealing already what is the the true root of her neurosis, the fact that she is husbandless and her child is leading a fatherless life and she is a widow. Which is a huge handicap in 1960, what year? 1964. Yeah, 1964. Husbandless is just a devastating blow. Yeah. Not so much now. But she looks to make Darren her ally, which he is, and she looks very askance at Samantha. So Marshall leaves with his mother, and then you see a bedroom discussion with Samantha and Darren, where there's a peignoir. I was going to say, can we discuss the peignoir? Yes, absolutely. And so I have to say that this is one of my least favorite peignoirs. It has the accordion pleat style design of the outer garment and the inner garment you can just sort of barely see the shadow of but i feel like it's kind of a lazy peignoir there's no (laughs) there's no real design to it it's just like an accordion pleated sheath it's not the kind of peignoir that inspires you to rip it off of samantha well okay uh that's the function of lingerie right i I, get it i get it but I identify more with the penwa wearer mm-hmm. than the ripper offer. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a little... But but you're right. I mean, you're right that I'm not really sure what is attractive about this particular penwa. It's just sort of a big, shapeless, accordion-pleated thing. Sam, I'm just as sorry for that kid as you are, but he's not our responsibility. And the best thing we can do for him is to discourage him from hanging around here. His mother has certain ideas. And like wh- strawberries are poisonous. That's her opinion. And so's French toast. And so's French toast. And baseball is a dangerous game. And baseball is a dangerous game. <laughs> baseball? Oh, I knew you would. Uh, knew I'd what? Help him with his baseball. Not if his mother doesn't want me but to. Darren. So Samantha is arguing with Darren about Marshall needing to go to Junior League tryouts. Samantha, he's not our son. Well, if we ever do have a son, and if I ever get the silly notion that baseball is dangerous, I certainly hope that someone will see to it that your son doesn't miss the Junior League tryouts tomorrow afternoon. You know, for someone who had no idea what baseball was four episodes ago, Samantha's become quite the advocate. I feel like the whole premise of this episode is just bullshit. (laughs) Obviously, it's not my favorite episode, but the idea that Samantha is somehow emotionally linked to the game of baseball, I'm just cold to the idea. Mm -hmm. Partly because I, in, you know, years of life, have never 
warm to the idea of baseball. <laughs> Me either. And so, you know, let the kid play the clarinet or do something else. Who cares? Or let him just be an indoor kid like I was. Yeah. A television addict. I was raised by television. Didn't turn out so bad. No, exactly. So this part of the episode just feels like a Samantha that I never really incorporate into my overall conceptualization of Samantha. I'm going to call bullshit on that. Yeah? Because this is a theme which is carried over, not often, but I'd say two or three times every season going forward, where Samantha sees a mortal who is struggling and decides to help them by using her witchcraft to make them think that they have a talent that maybe they don't have. Okay, well, I have to concede that I think you're right about that theme, but I guess what I'm objecting to in particular here, that it has to be freaking baseball. (laughs) (laughs) What could be more boring? (laughs) The most boring thing in the world. Yeah, Uh, At least to to you and I, we're probably offending several (laughs) listeners who adore baseball and it's their... Who cares about them? (laughs) We we love our listeners. We love our listeners. Of course we do. They need to realize that we are not baseball fans here. We're we're, we're not. No. I am with you, my brother. (laughs) (laughs) Well. (laughs) If this kid was in a drag show... (laughs) Or trying out for the school play. I mean, let's not even get crazy about it. No, absolutely. Let's say he was going to his local lesbian poetry slam. (laughs) No, let's just say he was trying out for the school version of Oklahoma. And his mom wasn't letting him. We would be fucking, we would be behind this kid. But baseball? Samantha, baseball is not the issue. talk about baseball anymore do you well darren is making some very good points to samantha because he's right it's the point is not baseball the point is that sam is interfering with another person's parenting but at that point samantha uses sex (laughs) my voice is cracking sex (laughs) to derail and distract him so Here's where you and I start to diverge. I am willing to accept Sam a little bit more as a superior being (laughs) who actually is right most of the time. But your position, as I'm sure you'll say very eloquently, is that she is messing in stuff that she has no business in and people have their free will and their rights and their kids are their own and you know nor i agree with all that i guess but Uh, well i mean more than anything i mean the kid is not a child of abuse he doesn't seem to be really suffering they mean they live in the greater new york area so he may grow up to turn this all into gold i think it's neurotic gold you know, he may be the next Woody Allen. Now remember, Marshall, when you get out there, all you need is confidence. You're as good as you think you are. Oh, I think I'm pretty good. Trouble is, I know I'm pretty bad. <laughs> God. 
Darren doesn't actually agree to take Marshall to the baseball field, so Samantha does this on her own. Uh, how do you do, uh, uh, Mrs. Stevens? Oh, hello. She runs into her neighbor, Gladys Kravitz, who is creepily doting on her nephew, Floyd Kravitz, the star player. That's my nephew, Floyd, down there. Oh, really? Which one? The beautiful one at bat. <laughs> you can practically see his eyelashes from here. Bail St. Floyd! <laughs> Oh, yeah, she's shouting encouragement to Floyd Kravitz from the stands, and she's loudly mocking Marshmallow Burns. We're not serious! <laughs> Marshmallow Burns! His name is Marshall. Once again, proving that she is just a garbage human being. <laughs> Samantha watches Marshall pitch very poorly. Well, you see what I mean? He can't play. Just a little slow getting started, that's all. Out of frustration, she uses witchcraft to help him strike out Floyd Kravitz. Now I've done everything that was humanly possible. Yeah, so he's pitching, and she's twitching, and the ball is sort of serpentining over the plate and bamboozling the batter. Yep. She's making the baseball corkscrew. Yep. So he makes the team. Hi, sweetheart. Hi, darling. Darren, Marshall made the team. You went to the tryouts today. Yes, and Coach Gribben says he's going to be a triple threat man. You know what that means? I certainly do. It means all three of us are in trouble when his mother finds out. Oh, I should think she'd be proud of him. I was, and you would have been, too. Just how much did you have to do with the uh, athletic awakening of Marshall Burns? I just gave him confidence. What else did you give him? What else is there? Oh, well, there's uh, that, and there's uh, that, and probably a few other rituals I'm not familiar with yet. Oh, Darren, really? Oh, Darren, really, yes, or oh, Darren, really, no? Because if you did, Samantha, you did that kid a big disservice. He's playing in the opening game tomorrow. Sam, you can't follow that kid around the rest of his life, wiggling and twitching at him. <laughs> You've given him false security. I just tried to get him started. Then after he plays with the team for a while, he'll have a chance to practice and improve, and he'll get his confidence back, and he won't need me anymore. But, Sam, suppose it doesn't work that way. Suppose the poor... What's that? The backyard gate. Someone's in the yard. I'll go with you. They hear noise in the yard, and they think it's an intruder. They find Marshall asleep on a lawn chair in their backyard in the middle of the night. He is running away from home because his mom won't let him play, even though he made the team. Oh. With Samantha's considerable help. Yes. Oh, he has the most second grader teeth <laughs> of any kid I've ever seen. <laughs> He looks like a blind man's jack-o'-lantern. Yes, he does. They call Marshall's mom. She comes in. Interestingly, her fall on... Do you know what a fall is? Yes, you explained it to me in the very first episode with Sheila, when Sheila gets her fall blown up the stairs. Absolutely. I thought it was... She has, you know, kind of her short June Lockhart haircut. Sure. And then in the back, she's clearly got a fall... 
Party in the back. Yep, it's got a barrette. It's very, very party in the back hairdo. So worth looking <laughs> at if you want to see what it looks like for a fall. And definitely not the way a lady would look if she actually just stood up from her pillow in bed <laughs> and walked out because her hair would not be so neatly quaffed as this with a, be- a bejeweled barrette. I'll see if I can find a screen capture for our listeners. Yes. So Darren calls Mrs. Burns to pick Marshall up, and Mrs. Burns storms into the Stevens house and calls out Samantha. In full makeup in a fall. (laughs) In full makeup in a fall. (laughs) And Sam absolutely tears into both Mrs. Burns and Darren. Samantha, Mrs. Burns may be a very cautious and concerned mother, but... Concerned? Well, I don't understand either one of you. If you were really concerned, you'd know how important it is for a boy his age to have friends, to be part of a gang, to be accepted. Samantha calls Darren a traitor when he reveals how Marshall escaped the house by climbing down a trellis. I don't understand why he's a traitor. Was Marshall just going to come and live with them? Maybe it's a symptom of how she doesn't understand how the mortal world works. A kid doesn't get to decide where they want to stay. Samantha, I've told you not to interfere. Mrs. Burns has every right to choose her boy's activities. Well, thank you, Mr. Stevens. I'm glad to see that you understand. Everybody is wrong. We didn't mention at the very beginning when Mrs. Burns is leaving the kitchen the first time she comes to visit, Samantha almost throws a hex at her as she's leaving the house, and Darren barely stops her from doing that. Yeah, you know, I kind of love Samantha for that, but I know that it's wrong. I know that it's wrong. Of course, it might be easier if you put locks on his windows. Locks? Probably be cheaper, too. And a lock on his door with only one key. That way it'd be impossible for him to get out again. I don't think that will be necessary. Well, there's no sense taking chances. When a boy feels like a prisoner, he'll do anything to get out again. Darren, showing a lot of growth in this episode, actually begins to make fun of Mrs. Burns and says that she should really put Marshall in a cage. And Mrs. Burns gets very frosty with him and she realizes that he is making fun of her and that he's actually making a sardonic but level-headed version of Samantha's point. Marshall! Mrs. Burns... Please, don't get angry. What we were trying to say is that you can't protect anyone from everything. Mr. Stevens, and I'll ask you for the last time, stay away from my little boy, you hear me? You stay away from him, or I'll... I'll report you both to the authorities. Come on, Marshal, we're going home. Are you falling in love with Darren right now? No, I'm not. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Next day, doorbell rings. It's Mrs. Burns. Will nothing in this world stop your interference? Will nothing? She's doing the worst foghorn leghorn impersonation. (laughs) Just a minute. Calm down, Mrs. Burns. What's the trouble? Well, don't tell me he isn't here. Don't tell me. It's that southern syrupy drawling repetition. Now, who's responsible? I say, who's responsible for this unwarranted attack on my person? There's something, I say, there's something kind of about a kid that's never played baseball. So, I have to say that I really love Samantha's sweater here. It's almost like a boyfriend sweater. A boyfriend sweater? Yeah, yeah. It's What's that? A green mohair sweater that looks like something that Darren might wear. 
Oh, you're saying that she looks as if she's borrowed some of Darren's clothes. I bet for the time that this is kind of a fashion statement because she's, it's casual, it's Saturday, she's wearing, a, you know, a blouse, of course, mm-hmm. because she has to have a blouse and her heart necklace, but she's got this sweater on that could just as well be Darren's sweater, which is, I think, pretty radical for the time. Mrs. Burns, he's perfectly all right. He's just gone to the park to play in the big game. Oh, do you think so? I'm certain of it. Oh, well, and there's still time to stop him. He he just left a short while ago. Mrs. Burns, you don't mean you're really going to stop him from playing. If other mothers realized how seriously a child could be hurt out there, they wouldn't permit it either. But lots of mothers, I don't want to hear any more. Samantha, Mrs. Burns is right. This is our fault. I think we should help her. So now they're going to chase after Marshall. Samantha is hexing the traffic lights to slow their progress because they know that Marshall is at the big game. So she's trying to prevent them getting there too soon so that he has a chance to play with the other boys. Darren seems to be onto it to some extent. He's actually encouraging it. Yeah. He's actually being super supportive. I mean, he doesn't really believe in her interference, but he is ultimately sneakily supporting her and even encouraging her to use witchcraft in this episode to meet her ends. So they arrive at the game, and it's three to two. So Marshall comes out to greet his mom and the Stevenses. Samantha chides Marshall for not telling his mother where he was going and at the same time tells him that she's very proud of him. You're up, Burns. Get in there and tear the cover off of it. I can't, Coach. You can't? What do you mean you can't? What does he mean he can't? You'd better ask his mother. What does he mean he can't? I'm Marshall's mother. What does he mean he can't? What's the matter with him, Mrs. Burns? Nothing. Nothing at all. Go on, Marshall. Uh, See? She acquiesced when somebody accused her son of having something wrong with him. I think it's more than that. I think that Coach Gribben and Mrs. Burns lock eyes and suddenly... There's sex involved. Absolutely, there's (laughs) sex involved. That nervous widow forgets all about her kid's safety the minute that she finds Coach Gribben. All she needed was a man. Oh, man. It's a truth. Why does it always come down to this? <laughs> well, it's all a... we need is a man. Yeah, that's all she needed to forget about her kid climbing trellises, getting black eyes and bloody noses is sex, 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 sex. <laughs> Moms who are not getting any are just going to get neurotically focused on their children and create the next generation of Norman Bates. The next generation of Mama's Boys. So it comes down to the final play, and everything hinges on Marshall's performance, and Samantha is desperate to help out with magic because she's convinced that he cannot make it on his own. Darren forcibly stops her from throwing a little twitch in Marshall's direction by kissing her. Yep, there you go. Again, third time sex is being used this episode. He's got the makings of a fine ball player. Oh, really? Yes, if uh, his father would work with him a little. Oh, I'm a widow, Mr. Gribben. Oh, yeah? Well, maybe I ought to drop over and work with him a little. Uh, 
Oh, you know what I mean. Well, well that'd be just fine if, uh, well, if you think it'd be worthwhile. So the closing shot, we've got Samantha and Darren at home, and she is appreciating the fact that he stopped her from using her magic to help Marshall on the big game. She'll give him anything he wants. Just name it. Chateaubriand, Coco Vin, Bouillabaisse, I'm going to twitch us up a banquet tonight. Sam, you promised. Oh, well, all right. Stop me again, and I'll scramble us up a couple of eggs. (laughs) And then Darren just totally makes out with her. I think it's time for our signature segment, Can We Forgive Darren? Can you forgive Darren, Molly? Yes, I guess I can forgive Darren on this one. Me too. I think that there is a real reason that Endora is not included in this episode. Because I honestly think that if they reasonably wrote her in, she'd be on Darren's side. I think you're right. As much as I hate to admit it. (laughs) For a bewitched episode, I just found this... I mean, we have the... The fuller brush thing, but that's kind of the only redeeming thing. I really, I hate the co-star. I hate that little kid. I'm sorry to admit it. I really don't like him. Why do you hate children? <laughs> oh, God. Um, I don't know. I just, I was so uninterested in, cold, this, dead eyes. in this plot line. that it, it just was a dud. It's a dud. I think I hear the music. Must be time for us to go. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode of Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. Please join us next week for the next episode of Bewitched, which introduces Aunt Clara. My favorite. (laughs) In the meantime, you can check out some of the other shows on the Piwacket Podcast Network. Kindred Spirits starring Stephen and Bert. And Knuckle Sandwiches with Jason and Frank. Well, until next time. Until next time. Bothered and Bewildered is a production of the Piwacket Podcast Network. Our opening song is sung by Melissa Arning. A special thanks to Melissa for letting us use it. Welcome to Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewilder. Wait, sorry. <laughs> Let me try it again. So one more anecdote, which is that I, I have to say that both of my children, when they were young, uh, between 19 and 23, each tried their hand at selling vacuums.
and both were miser- miserable failures. And <laughs> I could not be more proud <laughs> because they are not like dishonest jackasses that are going to go in and twist your arm to buy something you really don't need. They just can't do it. They can't do it. You know what's really cool is those, I've never seen them in real life, but the stop signs that have the little flag thing, the go and stop that comes out. Yes. Yeah. They're like something out of the Flintstones. They are. I expect there to be like a a monkey or a pterodactyl behind the scenes, like shifting those little signs that say stop and go, and then turning to the camera and saying, it's a living. Yeah. You know, I told you that I was listening to our uh, our earlier episodes, and I thought to myself, oh, we sound so young. But <laughs> it, we started recording this six months ago. This, we were young. Uh, no, we weren't. We, each of us has had a cold for almost every episode ever since the first one. Oh, no. Yeah, so, well, so we sound raspy and tired. Well, I didn't cough that much. No, you really didn't. It won't no. it won't be hard to edit that out at all. <laughs>